The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today, I'm delighted to welcome my guest, Dr. Chris Nichols. She is a soil microbiologist with over 25 years of research experience. She's a leader in the movement to regenerate soils for healthy crops, food, people, and planet. And she is the founder and principal scientist of Chris Systems Education and Consultation and a subcontractor with Soil Health Consulting, Inc., We'll provide a link to that for our listeners. Dr. Nichols focuses on biological methods for agricultural production tools and practices to reduce pests, soil erosion, fossil fuel use, and greenhouse gas emissions. Before she started her own independent consulting company, she was chief scientist at the Rodale Institute. She was a research soil microbiologist with USDA's Agricultural Research Service in North Dakota. She received a Bachelor of Science degrees in plant biology and in genetics and cell biology from the University of Minnesota, a master's degree in environmental microbiology from West Virginia University, and a PhD in soil science from the University of Maryland. Interestingly, she grew up on a 640-acre grain farm in southwest Minnesota, which is still managed by her father, Jim Nichols, who was a former state senator and commissioner of agriculture. Welcome, Dr. Nichols. Thank you, Melinda. It's so nice to be talking to you. Well, I heard you speak at the Midwestern Organic Sustainable Education Service meeting a couple of years ago, and I was so impressed. I realized that the work that you were doing in the soil was so critically important to me as a dietitian and all health providers and eaters and consumers at large who really are starting to understand our vital connections between the quality of the food that we eat, the properties of the soil, and wouldn't it be lovely if we could get all of these medical professions together with the agricultural ones to create a truly healthful food system? So before we get started into the real heart of what you're doing, tell me, how did you become interested in this field? Well, it really started, I guess, when I was an undergrad. I tell people that I basically fell in love with the fungus when I was 19 years old, and I've had this love affair that has never stopped. I fell in love with arbuscular mycorrhizal fungi. They're a group of organisms that are associated with almost all plants, in particular almost all crop plants, and what they do is they help the plants get nutrients and water from the soil. They can also help the plants resist diseases and help the plants basically to thrive. And as I was learning more about them, what I was able to do as an undergrad at the University of Minnesota was I was able to volunteer to work in a research lab, and that's something that I advocate to anyone, if you're interested in the subject, volunteer, do an internship, go out there and kind of dig deeper, literally and figuratively, go out there and and do something like that, because it is something that you're going to be learning a lot more about what's going on. And what I was able to do in that process was really become fascinated with how soil was created with this process of this relationship between a fungus and single-celled 
photosynthetic bacteria, essentially, that became the precursors to what we see as modern-day plants and how this relationship was the foundation for life as we currently know it. And so it really was this ongoing love affair and fascination with how we were evolved and how life as we know it was established and seeing all of these wonderfully beautiful, on some level simple, but intricate and complex patterns that exist out there. Mm. So when you travel around the country, and you do, you give many presentations, and you've done lots of research on this subject, what kind of grade would you give the soils in our country overall? Have we been treating the soil with respect with regard to the health of these fungi, or have we been harming them in ways that we have no way of seeing? Well, in North America, we have some of the best soils on the planet, and we're fortunate enough to live on a continent in which we do have some of the best soils, and, and we've always had some of the best soils on the planet. And we have, unfortunately, because of the ways that We didn't really know and understand what is happening. We haven't done a very good job. So if you if you wanted me to kind of give a grade, it's hard to to give a grade because that lack of knowledge. We think about what we see above ground, and I think of farmers like my dad, my uncles, my brother-in-law who's starting to farm, and my nephew who's starting to farm, friends and neighbors who've been farming. I think of all of the farmers that I know and. Farmers are very much attached to their land. They're very much attached to wanting to help the plants to grow and to be healthy. And so I think that they've always wanted to be A A plus individuals and the way that they've wanted to be maintaining the land and maintaining the plants. But what we've done in thinking about it, when we just look at what's happening above ground, And our natural tendency is always to want to help and to want to do something to improve the system. And so what we end up doing in that process is we've done, through, you know, some good research and some good scientists, we've come up with ideas on ways in which we could introduce chemical tools instead of looking at a lot of these natural processes that have always been in place for millennia We've basically introduced chemical tools to supplement those natural processes, thinking that we could come up with these other tools that could do it better than the natural processes. And so, you know, we see something that may be going wrong. We see a a pest or disease issue. We see a plant that looks stressed. And we naturally want to help. Mm -hmm. And farmers naturally want to help. So, you know, they want to do an an A or an A-plus job, but unfortunately... The tools we've put in place has really made it so that we've really treated these soils that, you know, are A-plus soils. We've treated them in a way that they're now performing more like C-minus or or D soils. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. I also heard you describe, you know, these good intentions that people come to their work with. And I couldn't agree more. I think we come with noble intentions. But either we've been misled or 
somehow we've gone off track. Maybe we've taken the natural biological systems for granted, or we always think that we can improve upon them. And so here we are today. And I remember seeing a paper that Don Davis published years ago, looking at the nutritional quality of crops today. And they, of course, are not as nutritious as they were decades ago. And Nutritionists start asking questions, well, why is that? Is it the variety of the crop that's being grown? Is it the soil conditions under which the crop is being produced? And I think that you are best able to really describe how soil health, we should probably define soil health first, but how soil health impacts nutritional quality of our food. So how would you define soil health? Well, soil health, what has been... The accepted definition of soil health is the continued capacity of soil to function for plant, animal, and human needs, to to be able to meet those needs. And so it's that continued capacity to function and the functionality that it is that we're looking for. And so often, I think what it is that we miss is, like I said, we, we come in and we try and put what we oftentimes refer to as sort of band-aids on things. Mm-hmm. We see an issue and we go through and we're just going to, we're going to put a band-aid on that issue and not looking at that continued capacity for functionality, that continued capacity. Instead, we're just going to take care of this function right now and we're not going to worry about the unintended consequences of that. We're not going to worry about anything else that's going to occur. We're just going to take care of this right now. And we really need to be focusing overall on a systems approach. And that's one of the reasons why in designing my own company, I've utilized CRIS as an acronym. It's Knowledge for Regeneration and Innovation in Soil Systems. And I'm emphasizing that systems because we do have to look at it as a whole. And one of the the reasons I'm grateful to you for reaching out to me and, and putting me on your show is this fact that you're trying to unite nutritionists, physicians, dietitians, soil scientists, agronomists, farmers, all of us together in that systems idea, mm-hmm. because it isn't about one thing or another thing. Again, as you're saying, we're all trying to do the right thing. We all have these noble ideas, but oftentimes we put blinders on. Right. Even in soil science, Soil chemists don't talk to soil physicists, and soil physicists don't talk to soil biologists, and soil biologists don't talk to soil microbiologists, and it it really leads us to what we're seeing overall in this huge catastrophic cascade of a system falling apart, Mm -hmm. and we have an opportunity to take a systems approach to put everything back together again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, I'm drawing correlations to my own field where pretty much decades ago, we were really focused as dietitians on the nutritional quality of the food. We never considered how the food was produced. And I think Mm -hmm. that moving forward to have, uh, as you mentioned, you know, these generations, the fact that the soil can continue to nourish us well, we have to think about how our food was produced. And I heard you say regenerative. And I feel like in order for us to come together, 
we have to be speaking the same language. And I think the words can be so confusing. So we hear so many terms, right? We hear organic agriculture, sustainable agriculture, regenerative agriculture. What are we talking about here? And which words should we be using moving forward? Well, and you're right. Words are very powerful. And words have the power to unite us and the the power to divide us. And we're seeing very good examples of that in our society today Mm -hmm. uh, and on many levels. And I think that, unfortunately, I worked at the Rodeo Institute, and I continue to appreciate a lot of the work that is going on within the organic community. I think that because organic became a word that got associated with a label that was adopted by the USDA through the National Organic Standards Board, it's a different word that has a different meaning from the heart of what it started as. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, you'll talk to a number of different organic farmers and people who are part of the organic movement, and I know you've had discussion with Dave Chapman and a number of different organic farmers And the discussion about what organic means and what the organic standard and the organic label means are two very different things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, words do have different meanings depending on the context that you put them in. And for many people, for me, regenerative is different than sustainable because sustainable is where a lot of this started with we're going to have sustainable systems. Well, we can't sustain C minus D soils. Right. You can't sustain that. That's not sustainable. That that isn't what we want to do. We do really want to be able to regenerate. And regenerating the system, starting with regenerative soils, to me, is that foundation. That when you regenerate the soils and you start with the soil foundation, everything else will come into place after that. I think of things as if we have basically one problem. And as I said, everything else is sort of issues and we slap band-aids on issues. And we focus too much on the issues instead of on the problem. And our one problem is that we don't have enough carbon in our soils. We took carbon out of our soils in the process of our agricultural practices. And There are going to be practices that we have to put into place that are going to continue to take a certain amount of carbon out of our soils. It's a natural part of biochemistry and chemical reactions that are going to occur that you're going to have respiration and you're going to have chemical reactions in which CO2 and methane are going to evolve from soils. You can't change that. That's just the way things are going to occur. But what you want is you want more carbon going into the soil and more carbon going into the soil in being transformed into different forms that are going to stay in the soil for a longer period of time and are going to become part of the soil structure and part of that soil foundation so that you're actually regenerating and building soil rather than sustaining the mineral matrix that is part of the physical construction of soil. Mm-hmm. So that is really what I want to focus in on instead of looking at the fact that we just need to have 
these systems in which we want to basically look at everything as kind of an in-out type of chemistry to things. It really is about how can we build, and regeneration is, to me, also looking at an energy flow. We're basically taking energy from the sun and putting it into the building blocks and the bonds in carbon compounds that are formed through photosynthesis, and pretty much all life on planet Earth is carbon-based. And so those building blocks for almost all life and the energy and the bonds between those carbon atoms and carbon atoms and other atoms become the foundation for the energy and the building blocks and the molecular structure for pretty much all life. But we've taken the energy from the sun. And so we're going to basically use the most efficient solar collectors ever designed and utilize that. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is that we need to do. And if we can continue to optimize that in the most efficient manner possible, we're going to be able to solve the problem Mm -hmm. and regenerate the soil. And when you're regenerating, there isn't necessarily, you're not setting an upper limit to things. Mm -hmm. Because that's the other thing is people are like, well, when is it going to end? And it doesn't have to end because you're basically energizing and keeping that energy cycle going and flowing. Right. Well, let me take one break, Dr. Nichols, and remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio, where we are speaking with Dr. Chris Nichols. She is a soil microbiologist. She started her own company that is dedicated to the regeneration of soils for healthy crops, food, people, and planet. The name of her company is Chris Systems Education and Consultation. We will provide a link to the website, and it is www.chris-systems.com. And the website alone, Dr. Nichols, is a great education. For example, in preparing for this interview, I was really fascinated by the way you look at regenerative agriculture having the potential to revitalize communities and improve global economies, as well as solve food insecurity by providing abundant nutrient-dense food. That is what every healthcare practitioner, it is what every economist, rural sociologist, and certainly soil microbiologist see for a healthy future moving forward. One of the things that you mentioned in a conversation we had prior to this interview was, we have forgotten observation. And I think that is so critical that we have this discussion. How do we observe? What do we see when we see a regenerative agricultural system? Well, when we see a regenerative agricultural system, you're going to observe when it rains, where does that water go? Does it stay on the soil? Does it get into the soil? When it's not raining, what do the plants look like? You're going to observe with your eyes and with your ears, how does the system sound? Are there insects out there? Do you see a diverse array of insects out in the natural world? Are you starting to see in your fields? Do you just see 
one particular plant or do you see multiple plant species? Because you want to see a lot of different plants as you're driving around these regenerative systems. Is it just seeing corn and soybeans everywhere or are we starting to see multiple different types of crops? Again, as we start these observations in these regenerative systems, we need to recognize the fact that one of the things that we've observed over time, especially in my lifetime, I think it's very sad, in just a generation, in my generation, we've taken farmers that have been responsible for growing food and they're now essentially just underpaid workers for the government and for agribusiness, basically through government subsidy programs and through paying for chemicals and seed and those types of things to agribusinesses. So they're underpaid workers, and they're no longer thinking about the fact they grow food, but they're thinking about the fact that they grow commodities and feed for animals. Mm. And they used to grow food. When I was very young on my dad's farm, he had hay fields and he had sunflowers and he had flax and he had a little bit of corn and a little bit of soybeans, but now it's primarily corn and soybeans. He's just recently reintroduced a little bit of oats and wheat into the system. But again, we've changed in a very short period of time the diversity and the fact that we're growing food. And so the observations need to be, one, observing what it is that we're currently doing and how that's affecting what's happening, and then what it is that we have when we look at what's happening on these farms, what is growing there, what are the different types of plants and animals, you know, are you getting small mammals, what are the different birds that are in the system, what are the different noises that you hear? Are you seeing bats? Those are important parts about what we should be observing. And again, we would go out there and just look at, does the plant look healthy? Can I row my crops, which is a big thing that farmers do, which means, you know, can I drive down the road and see just the rows of standing crops and no weeds in between them? That's not the way you want. That's not the way nature looks. That's not the way the system should look. We need to actually observe having this great level of diversity in order for the system to be able to function. It's interesting that you say that because I've been very curious to see advertisements that are directed towards farmers, and there's this big push to have, quote-unquote, clean fields. So Mm -hmm. what looks like a weed is a bad thing. You You don't want your neighbors talking behind your back and saying, oh my gosh, what a messy field they have. But I really appreciate what you're saying about the corn and soy system, because you and I both have spent a lot of time in the Midwest. And I think it was only after I served on a couple of organic farming boards and heard organic farmers describe what happened when they switched from a conventional to an organic system and saw the greater increase in biodiversity of life. And they knew that they were making the right choices, but it wasn't easy for them. There was a big machine out there making them feel like they were different or not rewarding them. If the farmer isn't provided incentives and we don't have a measure of success where a farmer can say, look, I've got so much more of this fungi in my soil. I know I'm doing the right thing. How do we shift to a more regenerative system in the constraints that we have politically? 
Well, and I think that, again, goes back to the heart of where we're at with nutrition. Mm-hmm. We are currently a country that can no longer afford our health care. Right. And our health care is not good to begin with. According to the World Health Organization, we rank 37th out of 190 countries. Mm-hmm. We're just slightly above Cuba. And I pull out Cuba because I like to pull out Cuba and the fact that we actually rank below Cuba in infant mortality. That's right. And this is a country that was under embargo for more than 70 years. Mm-hmm. And so I also like to pull out Cuba in the fact that from an agricultural standpoint, because they were under embargo, there were a lot of things in which Cuba had to do in the way that they were growing their own food and in the way that they were growing their own food with a lot less of the chemicals that we currently use and a lot less of the industrial agriculture that we currently use. Now, I'm not trying to say that Cuba's perfect because there are some food safety issues and some other things, and I recognize that. But it becomes an example for us to be able to take a look at some of these issues that are out there. When you look at the average income for an average family in the United States, it's close to, and I was just looking at the numbers for families in the, in the United States, it's over 20% of the income for a family that is paid towards healthcare costs. It's just out of pocket right. healthcare costs for the average income. And that doesn't include what may be taken out by your employer if they pay for health insurance. That's just what is taken out, you know, via taxes and what is your out of pocket. So again, we can't afford what it is that we're paying for. Right. And so part of that healthcare issue is because of the food that we're eating. And so if we are to change the food that we're eating and we are learning more, not that we have all of the information, but we're learning more all the time and we continue to need to do more research to get a better understanding of this, but we're learning more and more about this connection between the soil and especially the soil microbiome and the nutritive quality of our food and the gut microbiome and the similarities between the soil microbiome and the gut microbiome and how food needs to be processed within the gut microbiome. And so what is needed from the soil to get into our food in order for nutrients to be bioavailable in order for the nutrients. So it isn't just about putting more minerals into plants or into our food, which you can do. You can do that fairly easily through the hydroponic process. You can do that through genetic engineering and breeding. You can increase the mineral content in food. But if you can't make that bioavailable through the gut microbial processes, what does it matter? Right. And we're learning more and more all the time about the importance of that. And so where I think this is going is that as we figure out more about how valuable our food is, we're going to start rewarding farmers for the food that they're producing. We're going to have to wrap up, and that is exactly... I think where we have to go is reward our farmers for producing quality, 
over quantity. So unfortunately, our time is up. I'm closing. I want to thank our listeners for joining us. I want to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. And most important, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Chris Nichols, soil microbiologist with over 25 years of research experiences, specifically studying mycorrhizal fungi. She is a leader in the movement to regenerate soils for healthy crops, food, people, and planet. She is the founder and principal scientist of Chris Systems Education and Consultation. And that website is www.chris-systems.com. Dr. Nichols, thank you so much for all of that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you.